Hey everyone, it's Noah Barnett, the VP of Marketing here at Feather, and I am joined as always every Friday in the mm -hmm. studio with New Tay, content strategist that is also the curator of Feather's Good Marketing Brief. Hey yeah. New, how's your week going? Mm -hmm. It's going pretty well. It's like really nice in Philly. It's like 70s again, which is kind of like concerning, but you know, I'll take it for now. <laughs> well, it's a good constellation prize to what happened last night in Philly, where the Arizona yes. Diamondbacks knocked the Phillies out of World Cup or not World it Cup. Was, um... not World Cup. This shows you I'm not a baseball person at all. I'm not uh, the either, World but... Series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm not either. I barely follow it, but we're always watching it because my husband is like a diehard sports fan and we actually live very close to the stadiums. So it was a little bit noisy last night, but it seems a little more, it seems a little calmer now. Yeah. Yeah. The dust has settled. And so the, the cool weather of fall yeah. can finally settle in. Um, exactly. Well, I know I live in Arizona, so Phoenix was very excited last night about mm -hmm. what happened because it's. 22 years, I think, in the mm -hmm. making since the last time. So it was, wow. uh, yeah, it's an interesting day. I'm not a sports person outside mm -hmm. of uh, football or soccer. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's been interesting trying to watch it to like relate mm -hmm. to other people, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, well, that's great. Congrats to, to you guys. Not so much yeah. for us. <laughs> well, let's get into this week's brief new. What was the topic that you dove into? Mm -hmm. this week yeah i mean we are still kind of focusing on end of year since we're getting really really close i think we're about four weeks out now from giving tuesday and we're still kind of talking about the whole omni child experience but really focusing on um, branding and why it's important for nonprofits. so what was kind of the anchor article or the thought that really drove this because i know this is true uh the brand experience you have feeds into the success of your strategy mm -hmm. or what were some of the insights you discovered or curated that uh, prompted this topic? Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and maybe nonprofits might be a little bit tired of like hearing this, but kind of pulling some inspiration from the for-profit side, you know, when you think about brand experience and when you go into Netflix, you go into Spotify, you know exactly what to expect. Um, and so for nonprofits, I think there needs to be um, a little more focus around that so that we can create a more cohesive and consistent brand experience for our supporters because they're beginning to get more of that on the for-profit side and nonprofits have to remember that they're not just donors. Most of the time, they're like everybody else and they are consuming um, from the other brands. So they're becoming more accustomed to these personalized experience that are basically tailor-made based on their interests, motivations, their passions, their previous like activity, whether it's on like um, an app on Netflix or Spotify, or if it's like their shopping habits on Amazon. And so they're getting these recommendations. Um, so I think that this is becoming more and more prominent topic for nonprofits. And I really wanted to kind of hone in on that this week. Absolutely. And it makes sense. Like we live in, you know, Jonah Berger, which we're going to talk about in just a little yeah. bit, mentions that we live in like the attention economy. And I think as the attention becomes more and more or the com competition for attention increases, mm -hmm. the question that we've been asking is how do you differentiate that? And last week we talked about it. Well, you need to surround your audience with your campaigns and do omni-channel campaigns. This week, mm -hmm. 
we're talking about the idea of personalization and really the need to increase relevancy. Yeah. And as you design your campaigns, and you can do that through personalization and providing that consistent brand experience. Exactly. So what were some of the articles that you curated this week that kind of help us navigate how we could design a consistent and better brand experience mm -hmm. during year end? Yeah, I mean, the first are, I mean, we just dive into the first article um, that I shared, which is, you know, not unfamiliar to <laughs> to the good marketing brief. It's Topes, his some personal news newsletter. He had some great stuff in there. But the thing that I kind of wanted to focus on is uh, media. I think media is such an important element of branding. It's how you get in front of new supporters. It's how you kind of entice existing supporters to donate, to give, to support, to become a member. Um, it's how you connect with them. And so what Tobes wrote in this newsletter is he talked a little bit about the rising cost of media and how can nonprofits kind of combat that. And while I referenced that, you know, Google has been kind of secretly raising their prices and CPMs are way up from 2020. Um, I think that there's nothing that nonprofits can do to lower the cost. The cost is going to be the cost. And what you can do is kind of ask yourself, ask your team, kind of strategize and reevaluate some of the things you can do to offset those prices. So um, one thing that Tobes mentioned that I really liked is, you know, can you mix third party audience targeting? And as you know, the we move to a world where third party cookies are getting deprecated. I think it's pretty important to think about how we can rely more on zero party data, first party data to drive our missions forward and to drive our marketing campaigns and kind of collect the data that you need on your audience based on those methods. Um, and then the other thing he kind of talked about, and he goes through a, a plethora of things to increase conversion, but also combat this um, kind of dilemma for nonprofits. But the other thing that I'll mention is, you know, how can you increase lifetime value? I think that is important. That's always the end game when you are um, fundraising, when you're building your relationships with, with supporters and deepening those connections. How can you get them to increase their gifts, whether it's, you know, signing up instead of a one-time gift, signing up to be a monthly giver. If it's, you know, finding the technology in place to create more dynamic asks based on, you know, their location, their interests, their... Um, past giving activity, or if it's just getting them to be fundraisers, right? If they can't financially contribute, how can they put their time in to advocate for your brand? Um, I think it's just like really important things to think about as, especially this time of year with all the noise, with all the different distractions from, you know, the Super Bowl commercial lineup to all the holiday shopping. I know my inbox is already filled every single day. Most of it's like hundreds of times filled. a day. Yeah. <laughs> just letting me know the sales that are happening. So it's really helpful to, you know, fine tune those strategies, cut through the noise and, you know, get in front of the people that you want to get in front of. Yeah. And what I appreciate about Tobe's article that stood out to me was this just acknowledgement that the cost to reach people, no matter on what platform, but specifically with paid advertising is going to increase and it's not going to decrease. Yeah. And we can be frustrated by that, but we 
that's not actionable. You know, being frustrated is not something we can respond to because the platforms don't care because it's similar to inflation, right? Like costs are rising. Now with mm -hmm. inflation, the ex expectation is that balances out at some point. In this, it's just the cost to access people or to <laughs> rent attention is just going to increase over time. And so mm -hmm. the practical application of that is how do we operate within those constraints saying this is the cost how do we not overspend to what we want to do and what is the optimization and it's not just about increasing reach and spending more money to get to our goals but it was about optimizing the reach you have and making sure the reach you have is actually relevant to your audience but yeah. in addition to that as we've been exploring in previous good marketing briefs is how do we begin to not only depend on rented attention but building own detention you know so as we build our own engagement strategies with our organizations we may need to rent attention but when we capture that intention how do we continue to steward that well mm -hmm. so that we can as you mentioned optimize for lifetime value and there was a great quote from his article where he said you don't control the rules uh but you can you can choose which to pursue basically like yeah. you can you don't get to change the rules but you get to choose how you play and I thought that was just a really important reminder and, and an empowering message that yes, costs are on the rise. Attention is the competition for attention is increasing. But again, time and time again, it's how do we increase relevance? How do we focus on our community? Not everyone. Yeah. Who are the people that we want to engage? Who are the people we are engaging? And who are the people <laughs> we should engage? And how do we do that better? And then focus on not only rented attention, but owned, earned, as you mentioned, where how do yeah. we actually activate our supporters? Um, and so there's a lot of different elements of this, but it's important to have that active stance versus just yeah. a frustrated one. Yeah, no, I love that. I think it, that quote reminds me of what my husband always tells me. He's like, I get very, I have a lot of anxiety, disclaimer, and I get frustrated. And, you know, he always says, you can't control anyone else. The only thing you can control is your situation and how you react to things. And it's kind of that same thing with nonprofits of like, you know, you're not the only one this is impacting. This is impacting every brand across the board. But what steps are you going to take to um, kind of fight back against this and like save your organization and make sure it's kind of thriving in the end? Absolutely. And that kind of takes us to the next article you shared, which was a recent research study by <laughs> Jonah Berger, who's a marketing professor at Wharton. I love Jonah Berger. I've been following his work for a really long time. Mm -hmm. His initial book that I got turned on to was Contagious. Um, and so he has an array of books since then, but also puts out these brilliant studies. What was the key insight of this recent study and why does it matter as part of this conversation we were having this week on The Brief? Yeah, I think it is, it's so relevant because, you know, we talk a lot about cutting through the noise, right? And I think uh, Jonah really in the study, it really talks about how can you, you know, get the attention and fight back against this attention economy and get the people to notice your content and engage with your content. Because it's not just catching the attention of your donors, your supporters, your members, whoever it is that you're trying to target. The most important thing is once you catch it, what are you going to do to sustain it? And so yeah, he, he differentiates really this idea of like reach and then noticing. So it's like you can reach someone yeah. like I reached new. Mm -hmm. because you somewhere on a page you saw an ad or when you were scrolling mm -hmm. socially you saw that but noticed requires the reached 
to have a response. Right. And what's really interesting about this, and I'm not going to dive into this, but it's the same conversation I have with people about art, whereas like, mm -hmm. what is art on is yeah. it the actual piece? Or is it the response that's created when someone experiences yeah. the art? And I feel like Jonah is talking about the same idea is that we as marketers really don't really care about reach. Reach is a pathway. Topes talks about this too, to be noticed, but yeah. noticing is what we actually want. Exactly. Um, and how do we actually do that? And so mm -hmm. what was his, what was, I guess, the mechanism or tools that he suggested we focus in on from the study? Yeah, um, his study was really focused on linguistic drivers, right? What actually drives someone to compel someone to continue engaging with the content, continue reading, and he kind of boils it down to two main factors, and the first being processing ease. So whatever content you're bringing out, is it complex? Is it hard to understand? The more complex it is, the less likely someone's going to want to engage with it because they just want something that's easy to digest, easy to skim through. They want to be able to get to the root of um, your story, your content pretty quickly. So that's the first one. The second one is um, emotional language. And he further breaks it down to two different buckets. And the first one is uncertainty. As someone's reading it, are they feeling uncertain about how they feel about the content? Um, in that case, that's kind of a good thing because then they'll continue to read so they can understand more about how they're feeling about it, whether they agree with it, whether they're enticed by it and want to support the cause, or if they just, you know, it doesn't connect with them at all and they can kind of move on. Um, the second is arousal emotions. The higher the arousal emotions, that can be anger. It can be excitement. Um, those are powerful emotions that someone feels when they're consuming your content. And then that would drive further action with your organization, your brand or whatever it is. Um, and so the higher the arousal, the more engaged and more compelled they'll be to continue reading. Continue, you'll catch their attention a little longer. Yeah. And I think this, this reminded me of my conversation with Cindy Starkey from a few weeks back on Mark, Good Marketing Unplugged, which is the podcast feather host. Um, and she talked about how they didn't change their story. I think this is what I want people to hear, but they simplified the messaging and made the story more concrete mm -hmm. and more specific, which Jonah Berger talks about as well. He says, hey, the more familiar it is and the more concrete it is, and then obviously eliciting emotional connection to it and anticipation can drive further engagement. And Cindy and her team implemented this without changing their core mission or their story and saw 50% increase in their conversion rates around their campaigns. Yeah. And I think that's the opportunity here is how of just in the words you're using to describe what you do or what someone can be part of this season can have huge impacts on your conversion rates. It's not even requiring you to reach more. It's just about being more specific about how yeah. you are saying what you want to say. And one mm -hmm. of the challenges I've seen in this position is usually you have um, the curse of knowledge when you're a fundraiser or you're inside an organization. And so you know everything about what you and your organization do. And you then sit down to write an appeal or to write donation page copy or to write a membership invite and you're infusing all of that knowledge into it. But when, let's say, New is receiving that, and New has never heard of this, or she only has 5 or 10% of the knowledge I have, yeah. I'm now requiring her to pay somewhat of an education tax 
for her to want to consume and continue to consume this, which is what Jonah talks about, where it's like, we as humans, like, don't like friction and hard things. Like, our brain is designed to, like, simplify things and, like, kind of brush off things that are hard or that we don't need to do. And you don't want to accidentally create that education tax and friction just by the words you choose. Um, and yeah. I thought the thing that stood out to me was just a simple thing around, hey, when you say car, that's a familiar word. If I change the word to automobile or an auto or something else, same word, you know, like we can all agree that they're both familiar. They both represent the same yeah. thing. But car is just more familiar yeah. versus automobile. And it's like there exactly. might be words you're using that are familiar to you, but to your audience, they are less familiar. And so really working hard to edit uh, is important. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I'm glad that you brought up podcasts with Cindy because I was actually thinking about that because it's, you know, don't get all crazy and change up your, <laughs> your entire mission and messaging. Um, donors support you because they have a familiarity with your brand. So just making sure you're just using the right words versus changing Absolutely. the core concept altogether. Yeah. Yeah. And also not dumbing down what you do. You know, I think sometimes mm -hmm. we say that we're like, oh, we have to dumb it down so that people can like understand what we do or, mm -hmm. oh, people just really want to give to like feed, clothe and, you know, help people. Right. We just have to like almost like oversimplify our message so that it's not distinguished. And I think what Sydney, Sydney, Sydney said, or Cindy said, apologies, <clears throat> was like, no, you have to just tell more of the truth. And I yeah. think that's what Jonah's saying is like, tell more of the truth in the words you use and make sure that that truth can be heard in a simple way. Yeah. So we talked about, we can't control the cost to reach people in the attention mm -hmm. economy. And there were tactical things Tobe said, which are technical things like maximizing click-through rates, changing up copies, et cetera. Jonah takes more on like the, the word side, which is like the content you use when you connect with people through channels, like really matters. The next part of the brief this week <laughs> talked about Barbie, Netflix, and TikTok. <laughs> so what, what the heck does that have to do with creating a brand experience at end of year for nonprofits? Yeah, absolutely. Um... I share these examples. Well, let's talk about Barbie. Um, I'm sure it's, everyone's tired of Barbie because of the whole hot pink takeover that happened uh, in the summer around the release of the movie. Well, Barbie's an iconic brand. It's been around for decades. I was obsessed with Barbie when I was a kid. Who wasn't, right? But, you know, why did this very illustrious brand suddenly decide to do a rebrand, right? Relaunch, basically. Um, and I think this is applicable to nonprofits because, you know, Barbie realized that the creative team realized that people, their target audience, young women, girls, weren't connecting with Barbie anymore. You know, there was a disconnect between the audience. So they wanted to kind of rethink the way they're kind of branding and targeting um, and message, targeting their messaging to their core audience and, you know, strengthen that connection and reestablish them themselves as like a very relatable brand. Um, and then with Netflix, Netflix is now exploring new sponsorship opportunities uh, with, you know, single title sponsorships. And also they're doing their like live sports event, the Netflix cup. Um, so they're selling sponsorships for that. The last one is TikTok, And I try to be a little 
a little funny with the the subject line. I hope I hope it resonated once people read it. But obviously, TikTok is a very online brand. They have built themselves as a social networking platform. Um, but they are actually they just launched an initiative called Out of the Phone, where they're kind of taking their advertising opportunities out of the mobile phone, off of the screen, into more offline channels like billboards, kiosks, restaurants, movie theaters. Um, and so what does this have to do with nonprofits, right? I think my purpose of sharing these key marketing examples is, you know, it's doubling down on omni-channel and, you know, getting nonprofits to kind of think outside the box to think about, you know, as they're trying to diversify their donor base, especially during end of year, you want to get in front of new people, different sets of donors, um, but thinking outside the box to then relying on your, you know, really strong online channels, email, website, social, digital advertising, but pairing it with also offline channels that kind of bolster your strategy, um, fundraising events. If you're doing any fundraising events for year end, you know, pairing the two together, um, to, of course, direct mail. And so in cor corporate partnerships, you know, if you're partnering up with any corporations or businesses to kind of further get your message out there to get proceeds for your end of year campaign. I think all of this just shows that nonprofits can kind of think bigger picture outside of the traditional fundraising model to get in front of the people that they have never really gotten the attention of, because I think there is an opportunity there and kind of expand their donor base to reach younger, younger donors. Cause you know, as Baby boomers kind of phase out. Millennials are getting older. Gen Z is going to kind of be the next generation to be the social impact drivers. Absolutely. And all of those are so important. And I, I loved how you reminded nonprofits to think about not online or this channel or that channel or offline separately. It's really about this holistic experience. And again, even though we, Tobe's article was talking about like digital advertising and reach, you know, which we talk a lot about here at Feather because we help 1500 nonprofits uh, run and manage their digital campaigns. Um, but then where Jonah's talking about words and then these brand experiences are talking about these like intricate billboard experiences or sporting events or Barbie with like the magnitude of different ways they activated the audience. But it does come back to thinking about like, how do we create this brand experience across all of our channels and through all of our content to build deeper, more purposeful connections with our community so that we can activate them to action for our mission, for our member uh, membership cause or for our museum or for our environmental organization. Like if we don't actually connect purposefully through our channels and our content, we can't activate them to action. That's a core tenet of the good marketing framework that we celebrate and share here uh, at Feather. And that's what this, this brief really showcased is like, there's a magnitude of things that feel disconnected, digital marketing, you know, words and offline experiences. And it's like, well, no, these are just representation of the various tenants that you have access to to craft this brand experience for your audience. And hopefully this week's article inspired individuals to think more creatively about how they design these year-end experiences. It's really about you building a marketing ecosystem. And I, I think, I mean, you can share the link if you want, Noah. I know Feather has like a, a graphic that kind of 
depicts that um, visually and very well. And I think that's important to not think of everything as like a single channel working independently, but how are you working together as a team in your ecosystem, marketing ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know one thing you mentioned is that as we explore new things, we must not uh, neglect the channels that work and the core channels mm -hmm. you mentioned, mm -hmm. digital advertising, you mentioned social, website, I think direct mail would fall into that. But most importantly, according to a survey we did, is that email is still the number one channel. Yeah. And so we are actually hosting a flight school session or a training educational session on November 8th to talk about end of year strategies specifically within email marketing and how your email can actually support your other channels. So not siloed mm -hmm. within email, but how does email actually complement the rest of the channel strategy you have at end of year? So if you're interested in optimizing your email strategy for end of year, definitely check out the November 8th uh, uh, training session and you can grab registration for that in the show notes or the details below. Any final summary takeaways from this brief before we wrap and head off mm -hmm. and try to find a costume for Halloween? <laughs> no, I think that, you know, this newsletter did a very good job of just like getting nonprofits to not showcase a shiny new thing that every nonprofit should try, but just try to think a little bit more creatively on how you can engage your supporters. Um, and I mean, we mentioned it last week, but also lean on your data. Your data tells all, and you know, especially if this is not your first rodeo with your year-end fundraising, look at your past efforts, see what worked, see what needs a little bit of love and in, love and iteration um, to kind of drive your missions forward. And you know, we'll continue talking about year-end. We are in the thick of it now. We're about to enter November, so um, more to come on that. Yeah, we're in the last like 60 day sprint towards the yeah. end of the year, which is exactly. a busy season for all organizations, whether you fundraise or you're a membership organization, there's just kind of a lot of dynamics, especially given the state of the world we're in and the state of the economy yep. to really operate within. And so we'll be there supporting you in the Good Marketing Brief. If you don't already subscribe to the Good Mar Marketing Brief or you want to make sure that you've read all of the previous issues, you can grab the link in the show notes and comments below. New, as always, it's great to spend time with you every Friday talking about the week in brief. And we'll do it again next week. Um, yes. I'm excited. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Happy Halloween, We will Halloween, see you everyone. in the studio. Yeah, happy Halloween. Send did you have a costume costumes. picked out already? <laughs> what is it? Did you have a costume picked out already? I or not, do you dress up? I'm not like a dress up kind of person. I'm actually uh, just crazy because my, my birthday is on the 29th so it has always yeah. fall, fallen happy under birthday the to new oh, as well yeah yeah the halloween umbrella but i'm not like a dress up person but i like the spirit i like the candy i like seeing the costumes and actually got a costume for my son and he is a walrus so i'll, I'll share a picture with you now so you can see there you go walrus <laughs> who knows the walrus might end up in a future brief exactly. uh, i'm actually going as this character Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh. Pooh. And so I'm dressed up as Winnie the Pooh yeah. and my partner's going to dress up like Tigger. And so oh, uh, we'll nice. see. Maybe we'll have a, yeah. a costume collage in yeah. we'll uh, a future in the, brief the end of to celebrate. Next or something. <laughs> there we go. For inspo. Yeah. Our, our whole company here at Feather is doing a costume party virtually kind yeah. of on Tuesday. Well, that's so, fun. so we'll see what happens yeah. there as well. 
anyways, it's always a pleasure to chat with you and to be with the good marketing community. Yeah. Again, subscribe below to the weekly newsletter and this podcast or on YouTube. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks, New. Thanks, Noah. Bye, everyone.